Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. Let's talk about enterprise agility and enterprise architecture today. Do we really need to even talk about the importance of uh, organizational agility? Every single conference, every single webinar, every single article about agility that you read, they will talk about the importance of organizational agility. There are so many beautiful stories about organizations dying because they were not agile. And one of the most important stories that comes along is Kodak. The digital camera was invented by one of the engineers at Kodak. And uh, when he went to his supervisor, and I'm not entirely sure whether he went to his direct supervisor or whether it was somebody else in the in the food chain, when he went and showed his idea that this is a digital camera and, and this is the future, uh, he was told that this is how you shoot yourself in the foot. And later on, Fujifilm came along with a digital camera and they just took over the market. And before they did that, before digital cameras, Kodak actually owned the largest part of the market share. But we all know where Kodak is today. There are many other stories, whether you take Netflix or what have you. We know one thing for sure is that organizational agility is very important. But the question is, what is organizational agility? So there are a couple of characteristics that make an organization agile. And these characteristics have been taken from the agile software development model. Now, the characteristics of agile software development are such that they can be used everywhere. While they are very, very useful in the software development space, they are also useful in other places, whether it is organizational agility or even in in your personal life. When I was in college and had started my career, I used to play for a band and, and it was a makeshift band. It was not a proper band with a name and everything. Whenever someone would find a gig, they would just get a few people together and, and we would practice for a bit and then we'd play. And I was pretty good at it. But then there were career pressures and then I got married and then I had children and somehow the, the guitar playing fell back. Last year or so, I thought I would start playing again, just as a stress relief uh, activity. And I was not making a lot of progress. So what I did was I started using the agile tenets in my guitar play. So I split it up into, I, I built a product roadmap of all the songs that I should play. And then, you know, I made releases, uh, monthly releases that I would play four songs every month. Uh, and then one song per sprint. And, and that's how I would go along. And if there's a song that's too difficult and I'm not being able to perfect it by the end of the month or by the end of the week, then there'd be technical debt. So, you know, I'll have to take care of the technical debt in the next sprint or what have you. So what I'm trying to say is agile can be used everywhere. It can be used in life. It can be used in organization agility as well. So the first characteristics is responsive. The word, English word agile literally means that the organization needs to be responsive to change, whether it is business model change, whether it is technology transformation, etc., etc. Now, one of the reasons why Kodak failed is because it was not responsive to the technological change. It was, it was afraid of losing its cash cow and it was in the razor blade business model. Uh, what it means is 
they would sell a camera, but camera is not where they would get their revenue from. They would sell a lot of consumables that people will use in doing photography, whether it's films, whether it's uh, paper used for photographs, whether it's developing the photographs and so on and so forth. Now, when a digital camera comes along, they lose their entire cash cow. And that's what they were afraid of. They did not respond properly to the technological change. The second characteristic of Agile is value-driven. The product backlog and the sprint backlog is constantly reviewed and, and only high-priority user stories are worked upon. Right? They are broken down, they are detailed out, and they are worked upon. So organizations also need to constantly focus on value. There are many activities that organizations do from time to time, and they uh, and in the rut of being able to be operationally efficient, they often forget what really drives value within an organization. And an agile organization is the one that constantly keeps an eye on the value that the organization is driving. And then we have empowered teams, and this is something that's very uh, organic and very, very popular these days um, in agile Teams are supposed to be empowered enough to take decisions about what they're going to be working on. And this enables the organization to come up with newer ideas of, you know, innovation and being responsive and value-driven as well. So that's another tenet. Uh, in an agile organization, teams are responsive. Their teams are empowered to be able to do what they need to do, to drive value to the organization. And then we have communication and collaboration. Agile organizations constantly communicate with each other. They constantly communicate with the customer. They have a constant eye on the market. They have a constant eye on the uh, on the technological landscape, and they constantly communicate about how they can be leveraged. And then we have continuous improvement, growing and improving ourselves, getting more and more mature over a period of time. And that's another tenet of agile organizations. And then finally, we have innovation. Now, there's a reason why I have kept innovation in the end. I used to have this manager back when I was working at Microsoft, and he gave me this beautiful formula that I will never forget. The formula is, actually, it was a performance appraisal formula, where he said, D into bracket, which is, you know, multiplied by uh, I plus E plus X. Uh, D is deliverables. Right. So we multiply deliverables with the value of everything else. So if deliverables are zero, then everything else is zero. And then I is innovation, plus E is engineering excellence, plus X is manager's prerogative. So the manager gets to decide how much he wants to give you. Usually by default, it is a one. Now, if you've been, if you've been a collaborative engineer or if you've been if you've presented brown back sessions and so on and so forth and you show the characteristics of a good engineer then the manager has the prerogative to give you a two right and then that increases the value of everything that you've done throughout the year and then that is multiplied by your deliverables and that's your you know that's your number that's your sort of number that drives your performance appraisal and so on and so forth but if you think about this formula it applies quite well in organizational agility as well. And innovation is the last to come. Now, within innovation, he defined customer-focused innovation and technology innovation. Customer-focused innovation would mean basically business innovation. How do you improve the business? How do you, you know, make changes to the business that, that basically works on the, on the top line? And then technology innovation is how do you make your deliverables more efficient and and if you do something for the first time, it's called innovation. So if you did something last year, that is 
innovation last year. But last year's innovation becomes engineering excellence this year. So since you've already done it once, if you do it again, then that's engineering excellence, right? And then last year's engineering excellence becomes a deliverable this year. So then if you don't deliver it again on the third year, then, you know, you get a zero. So everything else becomes uh, not so important. Now, this is a very interesting formula, but innovation is in the end because the most important thing is deliverables. Now, having said that, agile organizations are innovative organizations. They do technology innovation. They do business-focused innovation. And, um, and, and that's what makes them agile. Now, the question arises, what can an enterprise architecture practice do to improve the organizational agility, yeah? to improve the agility of an enterprise? So let's look at the same characteristics from an enterprise architecture standpoint, right? The first one is responsive, you know, responsive to change. Now, one of the reasons why organizations do not innovate or do not uh, respond well to large transformations is fear. They are not 100% sure what the outcome of this transformation is going to be. That is one of the reasons why Kodak did not innovate. They were not sure. They, their razor blade business model, they had so many facilities around the world that were manufacturing films, that were manufacturing paper, that were, you know, so many stores around the world that were delivering that service of developing photographs that once the digital camera comes, it will be so big a transformation that they were afraid of it. They did not know the impact of it. What enterprise architecture does is it studies your business model. It studies your business processes. It studies your organizational structure. It studies your application data, your technology. And it gives you the information that you need. You could build a, a impact assessment report, for example, of one transformation and how it affects the various aspects of the business, how it affects the organization, how it affects the people, how it affects the, the processes, how it affects the functions, how it affects the revenue streams, and so on and so forth. So it gives you the knowledge, you know, and that's why I say know thyself. It gives you the knowledge to understand the impact of transformations across your organization. And that's how it improves change. Now, of course, there are other things that are a hurdle in, in being responsive. And one of, his, one of the reasons is complicated processes, lots of red tape and bureaucracy in being able to implement the change and, and, and enterprise architecture, what it does is it constantly keeps an eye and in looking at looking at how we can make become more efficient. And I'll cover that as a part of growing and improving, which is uh, coming up as one of the points. Now, we'll talk about that. Now, the second point is value driven. Organizations need to constantly keep an eye on whether they're driving value or not. Now, one of the things that enterprise architects are supposed to do or an enterprise architecture practice is supposed to do is constantly talk to the stakeholders and understand what value means for them. Stakeholder management is one of the most important things within enterprise architecture, primarily because you constantly work with leaders. You constantly try to understand what they want, what the leadership team wants, what their direction is as far as the organization is concerned. And and that's how we take care of value. You, you constantly keep an eye on whether something is driving value or not. If it is very good, we prioritize that. If something that we were doing earlier is not driving value anymore, then we put it lower in the priority list. And, and large transformational projects are chosen, picked according to the value that they are driven. Now, of course, when you're starting off as an enterprise architecture practice, you'll not be doing a lot of value driving initially. You know, you'll pick up uh, you'll pick up the low-hanging fruits and, and, and show the value of enterprise architecture practice as a whole. 
and then win the trust and confidence of the leadership team and then slowly become a value-driven organization. But there is some focus on value when you're doing enterprise architecture. Then we come to teams being empowered. Now, enterprise architecture specifically does not focus on empowering teams, all right? This is a leadership function and enterprise architects work with leadership. So there is some amount of advice and guidance that enterprise architects can provide to the leadership team to, to create a culture of, of, of teams being more empowered. There are techniques around this that enterprise architecture teams can use, techniques such as using a maturity model to, to look at how empowered the teams are or uh, how mature an organization is as a whole to to large transformations. And one of the characteristics of that maturity model could be where are the teams empowered enough to take decisions to transform and so on and so forth. But specifically, it, enterprise architecture does not focus on empowering teams. It's a leadership function. And then we have communication and collaboration and uh, every enterprise architecture organization or every enterprise architecture practice needs to have a communication plan whenever they start a new enterprise architecture project, whether any large transformation, whether it's a merger, acquisition, divestiture, whether it's a new product launch, whether moving into a new geography, any large transformation, the enterprise architecture team needs to have a communication plan where they communicate with the various important stakeholders. They show them the progress that the organization is making. They show them what they are going to be building, what they are building, what has already been built and how value is being driven and so on and so forth. So enterprise architecture definitely drives customer collaboration and internal collaboration and communication. And then we have growing and improving. And this is what I was mentioning earlier when I was talking about responsive to change. Enterprise architecture practice usually uses a couple of maturity models like the architecture capability maturity model, the enterprise business transformation readiness assessment, which is also based on a maturity model. And after every transformation, they don't only show the value that they have driven as a part of this transformation, but also has the organization matured because of this transformation? And what is maturity? So, you know, there are a couple of readiness factors that can be defined as a part of the maturity model. Like, for example, willingness to change. This is a cultural factor. Are the people more willing to go through transformations after this transformation? Is the leadership team more inclined towards innovative projects because we have delivered a successful innovative project? How is the confidence level of the organization that they would go through any other major transformation that, that's going to come? So these are some of the questions that can be asked as a part of the maturity model. And, and you know, you can define zero, one, two, three, four, five. It's not a yes and no question. It's more a how mature are you? Are you a novice or are you, you know, an expert or what have you? So there are these maturity model levels for each readiness factor. And, and enterprise architecture teams usually constantly keep an eye on the maturity of the organization and, you know, whether we are constantly growing or not. So that's how using growing and improving in maturity, enterprise architecture practice makes an organization more agile. And then finally, we come to innovation. Now, one of the factors, there are two major factors, I think, that, um, that, that, that prohibit an organization or are an obstacle for an organization to innovate. The first one is the fear of change. It's a cultural factor 
But more importantly, it is a factor where you don't know what's going to be the impact of this large transformation. And I already covered it as a part of responsive to change. So when you know your organization well, when you know the impact of large transformations, when you know what's going to be the impact on, on revenue, for example, or on, on, and what are the risks? You know, we manage the risks in enterprise architecture. You become more courageous to go through large transformation projects. So that's how one aspect is taken care of about innovation. The other aspect that we take care of about innovation, uh, the other obstacle that's there when we are doing innovation is be the capability to implement the innovation quickly. Now, when you have complex processes, when you have a complex organizational structure, when you have lots of bureaucracy and red tape within the organization, that is an inhibitor for innovation because we're not lithe. You know, we're not agile, we're not supple, we cannot transform quickly, we cannot quickly implement large transformational projects, you know, in, in short turnaround times. Now, the, the, the transformation readiness that I was talking about as a part of growing and improving takes care of that a little bit, right? We constantly keep an eye on how mature we are, how agile we are, how supple we are, and we constantly try to make improvements, right? Another thing that we look at is from an organization standpoint, we see how the organization is today, how efficient and effective it is today. And that becomes our current state architecture. And then we define a target state architecture where the organization is more agile, right? That's that's uh, another thing that enterprise architecture does that makes the organization able to quickly implement innovations. But these I've already covered. The one more thing that enterprise architecture provides that helps in doing innovation. I earlier talked about there are two types of innovation, technology innovation and business-focused innovation. Now, statistically speaking, business-focused innovation come from organizations that are able to step back for a bit and take a look at the larger picture, take a look at the bigger picture of how the organization is doing, what is happening in the industry, what are the new business models that are coming and so on and so forth. So having the capability to step back for a bit and taking a look at the bigger picture enables you to think new ideas uh, for innovation. And enterprise architecture is just about that. Enterprise architecture is about stepping back. It's about looking at the bigger picture and being able to understand how we are doing and what new we can do. That's the business-focused innovation part. And I already covered the technology innovation part by you know being able to implement it faster and you know, eliminating the fear of change. So enterprise architecture does quite a bit to make organizations agile, light, supple, um, which ultimately helps in the survival of the organization for a really, really long time. That's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. More about organizational agility, innovation, and enterprise architecture in the practical world, in the business, right here on the show. But before I end the show, I want you to help me out with this one little thing. Pause the show and share this podcast via WhatsApp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show. It could be anyone, your colleague, your boss, someone in your team. That's all I ask. Just one share with one message via text or WhatsApp or any social media of your choice. And it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base. Also, please don't forget to follow the podcast. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements, please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, we also have a Telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. 
Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on Telegram. The URL to join the group is https colon slash slash t.me slash enterprise architecture radio. While our contact details are there in the show notes, we are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even Discord. Once again, I hope you had fun and I'll see you in the next one.